This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. one of those movies that we uh we kind of don't even want to talk about because we don't want to sound dumb <laughs> this is the episode that's going to betray us for the idiots that we are i think <laughs> there, there's so much to think about i'm like give me back jason x <laughs> i know give me a linear plot structure Jeez. sheesh oh my gosh high life i had never seen high life i think it had crossed my path um, very briefly, and I kind of just moved past it because, you know, Twilight. <laughs> I had very little faith, <laughs> very little faith in our <laughs> in our hero. <laughs> Robert Pattinson had, I think, climbed his way out of the Twilight hole by the time this movie came out, by the time High Life came out, because it was released in 2018. But I think... It's really only been in like the last year, maybe two years, I feel, that people have really given him a shot in other movies. Right. I, I think may, I feel like maybe I'm a little too old. I uh, I don't know all of his work, his recent work, right? I, I Now he's associated with that movie in my mind forever. But um, I, I also saw him in um, what The Lighthouse. Yeah, The Lighthouse, right. another A24 yeah. movie. Which is great. I mean, it's it's just as like mind boggling as this, if not more. But um, he's great in it. He's a great actor. There's no reason for me to do that to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, other than Robert Pattinson, uh, Juliette Binoche is our other big name lead in this movie. Yeah, it was cool to see her again. Yeah. Yeah, it had been a minute. And uh, the director is French, which I blame for both Juliette Binoche being in this movie and for this movie being so fucking weird because that's just what the French filmmakers do. <laughs> right? Weird. They include cheese, ham, maybe Eiffel Tower. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. The French. Really makes life. sense why Robert Pattinson was in that beret the whole movie, though, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Um, direct quote (laughs) I was really excited to see that this was an A24 movie because that just has a mark of quality on it now where I see their logo come up on the screen and I'm just like oh yeah we're in for a treat and this movie was so challenging in so many different ways it was really interesting but it was one of those movies that I thought was was interesting and will be interesting to talk about but that I don't know that I liked it or would find it enjoyable to watch again what do you think yeah it it sits there for me too I was in my mind thinking 
Oh, this is somewhere between rubber and sunshine, which is such a broad, (laughs) (laughs) such a broad comparison. But those were the only two endpoints that made sense to me with this movie. And it's definitely closer to to sunshine in, in, in terms of enjoyability. But it is close to rubber in terms of what did I just watch? You know, there's a lot of that <laughs> that goes on while you're watching it. I think that it's one of those movies that has some really high highs and then some real lows in it. I think that it's a really beautiful movie. I think that the, it is. the quality of the cinematography is really stunning. It's uh, another space movie that's quite like warm. It's very textured. Um, it almost has like a film like quality to it. Um, so it's it's great to look at at least. It's also really great to listen to. I uh, really enjoyed the music selection for this movie. It felt like a little all over the place, but in the way that the movie was all over the place to me. What do you think of that opening with that crazy jazz with the uh, garden room? I didn't think anything about it at all. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> it, 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 that's so funny. I, I really hate jazz. It, sorry. And it wasn't crazy jazz. It was just like, we're looking at this calm garden, right? And they're, they're starting to play this like subtle, like low-key jazz that doesn't quite match what's happening because really nothing's happening. But it does look like chaos has been left behind in that garden room right and jazz is a little chaotic it looks overgrown it's it's like it sets the mood right away Mm -hmm. um and it really caught me like when i started the movie i was like oh this is interesting this doesn't sound like a space movie like the music is not space music in this movie i do agree with that i didn't really pay that much attention to the music in the movie. And I honestly generally don't pay attention to music in movies unless it's particularly good or particularly bad. Otherwise, I just kind of let it wash over me. Since I'm so much more interested in what a movie looks like. Uh, so I think that's an interesting difference between you, you and I that we, we end up like maybe pulled towards different things in the movies. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I'm married to a composer, although he didn't have any comments for me on this movie, music or otherwise. Um, but there were a couple, like, there's a couple scenes later on in the movie. I'm sure you'll remember this. Um, the masturbation room. Guys, we're going to get into this. Don't worry. <laughs> you'll hear all about the masturbation box. Um, but it had this, like, really creepy, like, rock music playing that almost sounded it like mirrored the the uh ritual of her using the masturbation box of Juliet Binoche using it mm-hmm. um and it's it really struck me I was like this is it just added to like the weirdness and the creepiness of that room on top of the idea that you're going into a box to masturbate and everyone around in your ship knows it <laughs> it's just fucking weird <laughs> so bizarre. yeah and then there's that rape scene. Yep. With and it's like crazy, right? Do you remember mm-hmm. like how in how like chaotic that scene gets yeah. and the music is just so chaotic. It's frenetic, yeah. And, yeah. 
and then that that willow song at the end is is like a theme throughout the whole movie you you hear a little like pieces of it Mm-hmm. Um, and now I can't get that goddamn song out of my head, Kate. <laughs> That's so funny. If you asked me to like hum it back to you, I couldn't do it. I know what you're talking oh, about, man. but I couldn't do it. I just don't retain music. Like I don't re- so retain funny. instrumental music from films. I will clarify like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did love that end title, that Willow theme, the, the, the final, um, song you hear at the end. I, I loved it. Yeah. I would love to give the audience of our podcast a summary of what this movie is about, but it is so hard to sum up, (laughs) especially in the format that the movie is presented in, which the format is an extremely nonlinear plot. The movie plays around with time a lot, but the overall thrust of the movie is a group of prisoners are on a seems like interstellar spacecraft on a one-way trip to a black hole in order to harness energy it's sometime in the future and they have decided that prisoners are expendable labor who can go extract uh, this energy for us and the plot from start to finish is a hard thread to follow but there's a lot of elements in this movie around uh the doctor on the ship and kind of the tension between what her role is with the other prisoners uh a goal of artificial insemination and having babies on this ship and the tension of trying to to impregnate prisoners who don't want to be impregnated there's just a a lot going into this in terms of like psychosexual trauma and masturbation and rape scenes and (laughs) interspersed with (laughs) Robert Pattinson's characters like childhood trauma of like killing his best friend like it's a lot and so I don't think we're gonna do a linear analysis of this plot I think we're just gonna kind of give you like our kind of topic by topic impressions of this movie (laughs) it's impossible I think to distill this movie down to like a minute right I think uh you guys should just go to wikipedia and read the plot and it's gonna sound crazy and I feel like what we already said sounds crazy so just just give it some trust it's a weird movie it's a weird movie we're we're not denying that for sure (laughs) So again, uh, we should reiterate that uh, we didn't really do research on this movie in the way of people's interpretations. We are interpreting this movie by ourselves. Uh, whatever we say is is property of not quite dead or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and we are probably going to look up these types of reviews and... Um, exposés once we're done recording just to see where we landed among everyone else out there who's been watching this movie it's it's got a like we said it's got a lot going on and there's a lot to be gained from it and a lot that will just make you scratch your head and probably more so the latter (laughs) if you hear our interpretations and you're just like oh man but I watched that interview with Robert Pattinson in 2019 where he said that this is exactly what the movie is about uh we don't care um because we have our own opinions 
And I think it's I think it's fun to come to something with your own interpretation first and then learn about what other people have to say about it after. I always think it's really interesting and I I often disagree with critics in terms of what I think things are about. It reminds me of that uh, line in that movie Loser where uh, Mina Savari looks at Greg Kinnear and she's like, whatever author probably hates you because you're misinterpreting his fucking book right (laughs) that's gonna be us (laughs) we're Greg Kinnear I haven't seen that movie but I feel like I can imagine the exact scene you're talking about I know she's so cute she's a little goth girl and he's her professor that she's fucking it's great Mm. but anyway speaking of fucking we should get back to high life (laughs) and oh boy is there a lot of sex quote-unquote in this movie it's not a sexy movie yes don't no don't watch this movie because you think it's gonna be like you're like you're gonna listen to us and you're like oh man i really want to see all this rape in that masturbation box like (laughs) (laughs) it's not a romantic movie by any stretch of the imagination (laughs) no if you if you're into like you know weird shit maybe but yeah it's not it's not something you throw on and then um, rub one out too. Normally, I think it's a weird one. Where do we even start? <laughs> I want to start with Willow, and that is where the movie also starts. So that's convenient. It is. Willow is the baby. The name of the baby on the ship that we meet in the first, well, in the opening scene. And oh my. God, this is such a cute baby. And I don't like babies. She's really cute. Like, they did a really good job of casting a cute baby because I think if this baby had been even a little bit trollish, we would have had a really hard time sympathizing with this baby because it is definitely making life significantly harder on this ship for Monty, her dad. Yeah, and she feels so authentic, like a real baby. You know, she... she screams when a baby would scream she's randomly happy randomly scared um learning to talk learning to walk you you see all these little moments of like a a one or two year old that really you don't always see I, I feel like in movies um I'm used to seeing older children being cast portraying younger children Mm -hmm. because they're probably easier to work with honestly probably this needs to be the youngest person ever nominated for an oscar because she was a great baby but i think that time has come and passed already (laughs) i know she's what like a four-year-old now but i think that it was a very naturalistic take on babyhood uh with willow and her scenes i totally agree she was very natural i kept thinking every time i saw Robert Pattinson interact with this baby that they must have spent a ton of time together. Like Robert Pattinson must have hung out with this baby for hours in order for the baby to be that comfortable with him. Like she just would reach for him. He, you know, you know, helping her learn how to walk, like giving her her doll, like all of it. It was like, yeah, Oscar worthy baby. Like it just felt so <laughs> natural between the two of them it did I even looked up to see if it was her you know his daughter (laughs) because it felt so yeah the connection felt so real and I was just like god how much time would that take to have a baby get to know you that 
well. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't have any babies, so I can't ask them. I can't imagine it's easy unless Robert Pattinson's like a baby whisperer or something. Maybe. <laughs> when he has to go out onto the ship to do repairs and like leave her in her own, he has to like make a playpen out of just what's available, like jugs of water <laughs> and like some netting. <laughs> I I loved how he was sewing toys out of like reused thread. Mm-hmm. And then when he needed thread later, he would pull it from something else that he had used and reuse it again. It was just, they really drilled home how finite all the resources are in this movie. Because of their situation that they're on this one-way trip to a black hole and there's only so much on the ship, it just, little things like that really drive home. Like he cares for his daughter so much that he's taking fabric and little scraps of thread to like make her a toy to like hold even though there's like so few things on this ship that are usable at this point and he's also tasked with teaching her about humanity and the universal truths of humanity right like Mm -hmm. what is a taboo um what goes against nature right and and he his conversation with her is about drinking one's own urine and eating one's own feces, which we see in the movie, it has to happen. Yep. So <laughs> it's no longer a taboo, right? I mean, it's just so, he's so alone. He has to think of things to teach her that are not present in front of him, that are not, they're not all there for him to piece together without coming up with it from his own mind. Yeah, I loved the really like opening dialogue he has with her is about what is a taboo and he's like doing it in like a like a childish way but the it nicely ties into the rest of the movie cuz the the whole movie is like not just about like what taboos are you willing to break for survival but also um I mean, actually, it's all all really for survival. Like, it's a lot of taboo breaking around reproduction and taboo breaking around, um, like, social hierarchies and all of that in terms of how do people function when they're so far from society. It's like you remove a group of people from society and things start to break down and then the fewer and few, fewer people there, it, like, starts to break down e- even more and all they can do is, like, yeah, we have to, like filter our gray water and drink it because that's the only water we have now <laughs> Ugh, gross i um i love the name they chose for the baby willow it's uh you know the a willow tree is known for the way it it bends and sways and moves with the wind or uh, it's sort of like this metaphor for adjusting to life Right. And and that's kind of what she is to him. She is this thing now that that he needs to adjust to to keep her alive. It's really sweet. He needs to surrender himself. Yeah. It's amazing how he just fully puts her needs ahead of his. Like he's still operating the ship, making sure things are are happening. He's doing his daily check ins to make sure that the resources don't get turned off but 
Oh, God. He, he, yeah, he's really just put all of his eggs in the willow basket. He's like, yeah, we got to – it's all for you, kid. I mean, I think that if they did not have a baby, then I think he would have not tried to carry on. He didn't he, – I don't know. It doesn't seem like he would have wanted to. Yeah, I wonder what his purpose would have been after the rest of the ship had died. What would he have done with himself? At that point. Mm -hmm. But he has Willow and she is like, she's like his guide to spiritual freedom, right? Which is, is part of that, that metaphor. You know, he just needs to follow Willow and she's really good at adapting to her environment and upbringing. It's, it's all she knows. She's comfortable with it. At some point she's like, we don't need help. We can pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, you know, (laughs) I wonder if that kind of comfort comes from, yeah, from it being all that you know and any discomfort that you would have or any like major discomfort that you would have from a situation comes from the dissonance of what you used to know versus what your reality is now. Like we get flashback scenes of Monty's childhood and it's like this very like lush like Pacific Northwest like looking like rainforest scenes and you hard cut over from that into space and it's so bleak and like barren uh there's the garden but otherwise it's very like spaceship box and and very like technical about things like even how they masturbate is like very technical And so he would just feel like my life is so different from what my life was. Whereas Willow is like, well, this is my life. I've never known any different. So I know how to like she knows how to be happy in this life. Right. And and he he learns to mirror that. He learns to feel that as well because of Willow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really I really like the Willow metaphor, the Willow character. And what she brings to the movie. I do too. I think that this movie would have. I don't want to change this movie. Because I think that it should stand on its own. As like this weirdo French space movie. Um, I think we probably need more of those. To shake (laughs) things up a little bit. I think that there's a really interesting. Like sub movie in this movie. About just Monty and Willow. Just like. What is it like for a father daughter combo. To live out their days in space together yeah I was I was kind of hoping for more of that this movie just based on the description it felt like that was gonna be the crux of the movie and it was wasn't really the 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 majority of the movie the bulk but it was like the reason for things you know Willow's here because (laughs) Willow's here because Dibs is crazy (laughs) Dibs (laughs) Dibs needed a baby Oh, th- this is a great segue into our yeah. um, super fun segment on rape and artificial insemination. Yes. <laughs> so sexy. <laughs> sexy talk. Oh, so on this ship, it is really run by this Dr. Dibbs, who is Juliet Binoche's character. And boy, does she have an axe to grind about trying to get people pregnant on this ship. Which is super hypocritical because she killed her family, including her children. Like, what? That beasting <laughs> in there that 
they're all prisoners that there's no yeah. one on the, that there's no one on this ship who's not a prisoner and so even dr dibbs who's ostensibly in charge had killed her two children by smothering them in bed and her husband uh and she is obsessed she is obsessed with making babies on this ship yeah to the point of rape <laughs> yeah and why why is it that they need to have more babies obviously they expected either pregnancy or needing to do artificial insemination because there is some gear already on board to support babies at least young very very young like newborn babies so she must have been put on the ship with the purpose of encouraging reproduction but it's a little baffling as to why i have maybe it's like one theory but i wanted to know if you had any ideas why i think there might be something there with her wanting to replace her children or make up for their loss in some way maybe this trip this pointless trip to the black hole uh has opened something up in her psyche that makes her realize what she did and how terrible it was i I, maybe but i i don't understand first of all why why this was ever a project on the ship you know they talk there's other prisoners on the ship that talk about it like why are you still doing this this isn't gonna matter all the babies are dying of radiation like Mm -hmm. let's just not bother with it anymore Right. And she keeps doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, you know, I, I don't know why, why she cares so much to do this. Maybe it's a power trip. <laughs> <laughs> My speculation on why I think that this was part of the program at all was that they wanted maybe some crew replacement, like, they had thought that resources would be somehow infinite on this ship, which they are able to grow their own food. They have oxygen and they're able to recycle their piss in the water. And so like, I guess they could just keep eating space spinach forever, but that if they need to keep running the ship in order to keep harnessing the energy from the black hole, then they're going to need people, which is disgusting. It's like, horrible like they've taken well they've taken this like prisoner population and like sent them to space on like basically a suicide mission and they're like oh your children are also now indentured servants and they also get to like become slaves to the black hole energy like yeah it's horrible it 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 feels like a story that was sold to this group right to get them to sign up to go because it sounds like you got to sign up for this in some instances. And in reality, there is no, you know, they kind of touch on this when they, they do a quick flashback back to Earth. And you see a guy, you know, talking about it as as if it's pointless, right? Like as if they were sent in no with the people sending them in knowing the mission was pointless. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it was just... You know, hey, uh, you, uh, Dibs, you get to run this experiment um, and make sure to have, you know, like to get her to go, right? Like 
so you get to keep doing this because we're going to need those babies, right? Mm. Like, it just feels like like something they sold them. It doesn't, to me, it never felt like something they really needed to do because they get to the black hole, like, without everyone dying of old age, right? Right, I, I mean, yeah. They, yeah. they make it there in a pretty good time. It's just so wild to see in this movie she's constantly lining these guys off to jerk off into a cup and she's forcibly yeah she's forcibly inseminating these girls and they they keep getting pregnant their babies keep dying and so the girls are even getting to a point where they're like douching at night in order to try and not get pregnant and she starts like basically like binding them like handcuffing them to their beds so that they can't do shit night like it's so wild how much control she has over these people when she's only one Juliet Binoche and there's like 10 of them yeah I I wanted to ask about that this the social hierarchy on this ship is so weird you know she's a prisoner there is no there is no real captain of this ship who is not here as a punishment everybody's here as a punishment so who is who is enforcing all this stuff and why why are they listening to her I don't understand why exactly I don't understand why they're letting it happen when there are so many of them and she is also a prisoner we find out I don't know if it's that she seized control early on um, because it seemed like even the pilots were kind of under her sway but it's it's very confusing because yeah. it seems like the only way she's really keeping control over them is that she has access to sedatives. And so she's able to put sedatives into their water, I think. Um, but they drink it. But they drink, yeah, that's Without true. Without fighting. Drink they, yeah. don't, they don't even put up a fight. It's like everyone is just so used to the ritual, which which they do bring up. Monty, you know, brings up the uh, rituals that they that they undertake. You know, first he talks about hygiene and then we see him like shaving his beard and saving the hairs, which is sort of weird. They mm-hmm. have fitness rituals. They have the masturbation room. And then they also have these sedatives. It just feels like everyone on this ship is just doing what they do because it's the easiest thing to do go with it's very path of least resistance which yeah we really skip over childhood like we see baby willow and then we eventually see teenage willow and you can almost see like okay how does a like how could a baby go along with the path path of least resistance like well they're just babies like they don't do a lot anyway and then like teenagers are like close to adults so like you can kind of see that but children are so like wild that it's hard to imagine like oh how do you keep a child in line with these rituals without just constantly heavily sedating them like they're doing with the adults yeah and and she uses this um the sedative to basically rape the other prisoners I mean she really only rapes one of them with her body right but she rapes the other one with insemination Mm -hmm. against their will 
Yeah, it's so hard to watch. <laughs> Hypocritical rape, too. Yeah, it is. It's a hard movie. Yeah, right. Thank you. It is hard to watch. This is a hard movie to watch a lot of the time. There's a lot of violence and a lot of rape. There's a really... I mean, all of the rape scenes in this movie are gross, but like, I think the one that I had the hardest time watching was when one of the prisoners comes into the girl's room and they're big all big booty. Yeah, they call her big booty. <laughs> um, I think her name is actually boys, but like they call her boys, big booty. Yeah, boys. yeah. He comes into her room and they're bound to their beds because they kept on trying to douche so that they couldn't get pregnant, and. This guy has been, like, jacking off all over this movie. Like, almost every time they showed this guy, his, like, pants were, like, like kind of slung down. And he's, like, touching himself. And it's, like, damn, yeah. dude, get a hobby. Like, like do something Go else. to the masturbation box. <laughs> Take care of it. He's the only yeah. person besides Dibs, I think, we see actually use the masturbation box, though. Right. And then we do hear... Um, uh, Cherney reference it but yeah that's about it mm-hmm. no one else really brings it up anyway he uh he takes advantage of the situation because the girls are bound to their bed and so he tries to rape her and the guys hear that the women are screaming for help and so they come in and like try and pull them off but it's just like a really really intense scene um, that is not really salvaged later because Dibs is kind of um, doing an exam on Big Booty to see if she's okay. And um, <laughs> the Big Booty is played by Mia Goth, by the way, which is like... Oh my God, she is so weird. She's such a like spooky-looking <laughs> actress. She does not look like she would have the nickname Big Booty in anything. No. Um <laughs> Um, have you ever seen Nymphomaniac? Yes, I have. I love Lars Bond. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember her from that? I do. Mm-hmm. She's I, I I hated her character in that. I was like, God, you're such a bitch. And like in this one, I'm like, God, you're such a bitch. Yeah. She's she's good at playing bitchy characters. <laughs> Not that I want her to be raped, but yeah, she was kind of a bitch. All right. Anyway. Well, Dibs is examining her and she goes like, oh, he didn't get you. Like, he wasn't able to rape her. And then she's like, my body listens to me. And I was like, I'm going to assume that that was a mistranslation in your script. Because <laughs> that is the worst thing you could have had this character say. Oh, I know. It sounds like it's like her trying to be a tough girl. Like, obviously, that's not how these things work. Mm-hmm. We've heard quotes like that. Uh, coming from our legislatures before mm-hmm. uh, and that's not how science works but to me I just interpreted that as like oh she's just trying to be a badass like I, I didn't I didn't take it too seriously but yeah I was like oh man tone deaf <laughs> totally but within this social hierarchy like we've got you know we've got all the girls who are prisoners too they were all in jail for various things and but you still got the guys trying to exert their power and control over them with, I think it's Atore is his name, the one who, who rapes them. Um, but the uh, turnabout is fair play. And one of the other girls, um, her name is Mink. She, um, when she's finally like unbound from her bed, um, she does actually kill. She kills the guy. With scissors. With scissors, which I was like, 
Yeah, that's brutal, but it's worth it. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, all right, he deserved it. And the guys were like, no, no, no. And I was like, "Um, he didn't just try and rape you while you were handcuffed to a bed. Like, come on. Oh, my God, Kate. But, like, right after that scene, I mean, pretty much right after that scene, we scoot forward a little bit, and uh, Monty is being raped by Dibs. It's it's so hypocritical. It's like, and she gets away with it, right? Like nothing happens nothing, to her. Nothing happens to Ugh. Dibs. Dibs has this bizarre relationship with Monty where she wants, she wants every man's sperm on this ship, but yes. not Monty's. Like she makes a point to be like, no, it's okay. Monty himself, he has said that he he's celibate he doesn't use the masturbation room he's not giving up his um semen i had to think of like the most it took me a second to remember Spermies. like a, a political <laughs> term for it. his jizz whatever yeah you're um, the smart one yeah <laughs> yeah monty's got this whole thing about wanting to be celibate and like not using any of the amenities on board and uh, Dibs just kind of cracks at the end there and she decides that she's going to rape him while he's really heavily sedated. He doesn't even know yeah. what's happening. And she like doubles down on their sedative just so she can rape this guy. <laughs> so terrible. It's like she She's a monster. She's a monster. It's like she gets it in her head that that he's her last chance at making a viable yeah. baby. And <laughs> And then what she and does, annoyingly, yeah. And then what, she's right because she like, Willow. Yeah, yeah, she like like gets the come out and like it doesn't. Okay, why didn't she just? She didn't need to like rape him with her vagina. She could have jerked him off with her hand and had him come into her hand. <laughs> Like, you know, you know come I mean? on, Kate, if you're going to rape somebody, you got to do it full on. Oh you got to go for it. Well, OK, because she <laughs> takes his cum and then she loads it up into a little turkey baster and then puts it into big booty. So she's raping two yeah. people in one very productive evening for her. But the fact that she like <laughs> that she then has to like scoop it out of her is like so unnecessary so when she could have just used her hand and like jerked him off into a cup you know right and (laughs) listeners might be wondering why didn't she just get pregnant right um but you see earlier in the movie that her pelvis region has a scar big scar and it looks like they might have gone in and removed that possibility for her probably i'm assuming based on what she had had done i had not assumed that it was a hysterectomy i had assumed that she just had a c-section so i thought that that was because we see her scar when she's masturbating but we're gonna have to put such an explicit warning on this episode um anyway (laughs) extra extra explicit read all about it (laughs) um that was how i interpreted that scar i was like because wouldn't she just I mean I don't know if I'm right but why not just get pregnant yourself like the sperm is more likely to live inside your body than in your fucking hand I think, <laughs> you know how does Juliette Binoche I don't know 
She I might yeah, be, she, she might be out of baby making range. I thought she would have been like maybe in her fifties. For sure. But she but they don't really do age in this movie and she looks pretty hot. Like I would I would not put it past this movie to assume she's in baby rearing age, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But I just when I saw that scar, I was like, that has to mean something. Because they use scars all over the place, right? Like on the fingers and mm-hmm. um, the wrists, right? And it's always something that's been like taken from you or something that you've um, – somebody else has done to you, right, with the with the glass. But um, right. I felt like it was taking something from her. And, you know, when they put that little pellet in the finger, it's like you're, you're putting something in. And mm-hmm. it has to do with the hierarchy of the ship somehow. There's a lot to think about, guys. I know, so much. <laughs> so we know why Dibs is in prison. Why is Monty in prison? There are so many flashbacks to his youth that I thought were just being used as a, and I think this is what they wanted you to think, that were being used as a contrast to his situation in space. And then over the course of the movie, you realize that he had killed his friend because his friend killed his dog when they were just kids like they're not they're not even teenagers he looks like he's maybe like 12 or so yeah all of the footage from him back on earth is like he's so young he's just a little boy and that must be all he's ever known I really did like how his trauma with the dog is brought into space with them. There's a lot of dog imagery. There's a a scene towards the end of the movie when and there's another spacecraft, and it's the same type of spacecraft as theirs, um, another energy harvester. And he's excited because he thinks that there could be people aboard. And Willow is now a teenager, and she's like, I don't really care. I love that. I love that she's like, I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why do we need to go? Who cares about new people? And he just, like, laughs. He's like, oh, sweet summer child. (laughs) People are necessary now. And then you get this really deflating scene of them kind of going, like, opening up the other ship, and then it's just like a pack of gross dogs it is so sad it was one of the most depressing things to see in a movie i think you know people have i i know countless people who have issues watching movies where the dog gets it right like i remember going to see twister as a kid and uh going with like a a a family and uh their kids that were we were all friends and after the movie was over, she was like, if that dog had died, then I would have left the theater. And I mean, we were like, I don't know how old were we when Twister came out? We're in like sixth grade. And I'm like, where are you going to go? <laughs> you can't drive. <laughs> but people get so worked up over dogs. And this was the saddest, most pitiful dog scene I'd ever seen in a movie. I mean, they must have been alone for a very long time. Mm. Uh, who they are alive, which means that they must have eaten. Some of them. Yeah, some of them are alive. So eaten what was left on board. It's 
it's not and they then they ate each other yeah you see them like yeah they're little carcasses lying all over the place all eaten sad and willow just wants the dog she like she's like actually like she wants a puppy yeah Yeah. she's like oh we could have taken it and i was like oh she is like every kid every kid is like this remember when we were watching this together i was like go back for the dog get the dog get a dog any dog (laughs) save one dog (laughs) but he doesn't and uh no and you know even you know he he's worried about them getting sick right like the dogs might have some sort of virus or something but even without that looking at the dogs and the way they were behaving when he came aboard it was just like oh you don't want these dogs these dogs are messed up now. Like, they don't behave the way dogs behave. They weren't happy to see him. They they didn't, they could care less that he was there. Mm-hmm. They really didn't, like, no one jumped up on him. Nobody wagged their tail. They, they were just miserable, sad, ruined dogs. These are not tail-wagging dogs by any stretch of the no. imagination. It was so sad. Good acting by the dogs. Another Oscar nod. Uh, to the dogs in this case no kidding (laughs) when dibs is in the masturbation chamber did it look like at one point the seat that she was on it like transforms into like an animal yeah and it kind of i saw that too yeah to me it looked almost like like not an actual dog but it like transformed into what looks like if it was just like the torso of a dog that was like a perfect cylinder like with the fur and then like a large dog tail on it yeah yeah because didn't it come up behind her and sort of like brush her back a little bit it did yeah or something yeah yeah it was weird I was like what's that (laughs) I know I I remember thinking like what's that and then I like forgot to write it down so it got lost and all the other crazy yeah, it felt like in this movie, which is, like like we've said, the plot is so, like, it's jumping back and forth in time. It's nonlinear, so piecing it together is, is tricky. But also, it, it kind of layers on this imagery where it's going in between scenes of his childhood and then into the future, you know, you know, 15 years into the future because Willow's a teenager. And then, you know, the scene with um, Dibs, like, masturbating, and there's, like, this chair that seems to turn into like a dog chair so there's a lot of this kind of dog imagery throughout the movie it really feels like when we see the dogs the actual dogs it's like a metaphor for their ship it's just like because these people on this ship aren't acting like people anymore either you Mm -hmm. know just the way the dogs aren't they're like shells of their former selves just participating in rituals they love using milky white substances in this movie it could be interpreted as like breast milk <laughs> it could become could be both <laughs> but you yeah. see that all over this movie too <laughs> yeah. yeah and you see it coming out of like seeping out of the masturbation room too i was like the first time i saw that i was like wait is that all come from juliette because <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> it was a lot <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, I hope that's just the soap that they used <laughs> to like clean the seat. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there's like a car wash thing at the top, like with, you know, those little like flappy strips oh, and yeah, it's all yeah, like yeah. covered. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, they kind of juxtapose stuff a lot like that in this movie where it's like, okay, she just masturbated all over this thing. So you, of course, it's going to be wet and kind of gross, but it's like soaking. And then they pull back and you realize, oh, it's because they cleaned it. Right. (laughs) It's not just, it's not just gum. (laughs) They're just so gross. These things don't always like mean something. But I, you know, they they make you question it. And again, it's a good reiteration of this the how confused we are about this movie it makes you want to like noodle on it because it feels like there must be some kind of meaning in it but I think a lot of this movie is just like yeah meaningless existence oh that's true like the whole point of their endeavor on this ship it does feel like fruitless they're sent on this mission to go help earth and it seems so selfless right it seems so selfless to be like i as a prisoner who has been abandoned by society will be cast even further from society to live this terrible life to go help people back on earth the people who turned on me yeah you're just like told that you're worthless that you have no meaning anymore on earth and now you're out in space doing this task that isn't actually going to help anything like even the people on earth don't expect it to when you know when you get that cut like the the intellectuals of the world know like yeah this isn't going to do anything and they just keep sending people like we know that they're just one of many ships that are out there trying to do the same thing well their trip does get us some great black hole shots so that's cool it does. I I think that the use of space in this movie is um, pretty good. I don't think it's like A tier, you know. It's It's got some beautiful shots of black holes. It's got some like interstellar like black hole sh- style shots. And then it's got some like kind of older school like in 90s movies when they would have tried to like imagine what a black hole looks like it's like a slightly like nicer version of that it's very flat yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i was so excited with the spaghettification scene (laughs) (laughs) me too oh my gosh i because loved it in interstellar yeah in interstellar he goes through the black hole and i was like oh fuck he's dead right mcconaughey's out of here (laughs) but he goes through a tesseract right so you don't really get that nice money shot of what we're all expecting (laughs) this movie was like nope that's what happens in a black hole so here you go i she was spaghettified yeah it It was perfect yeah poor big booty well not poor her she steals a ship kind of yeah (laughs) she steals like kind of shitty she steals like kind of a sub ship an escape ship or whatever and like just goes into the black hole and like i love that it it shows her like warping like her like Mm -hmm. face warping and then it just like pops it was really satisfying yeah yeah it was so gross um yeah i was really i was really happy about that because this movie isn't playing with it's not really playing with uh like magic or like godlike forces or, sure. or something mm-hmm. fantastical, right? So, 
seeing the spaghettification means like okay they're taking this seriously like this isn't like there's no made-up logic here it's just you know this is this is the reality that they're in and I, I appreciated that even the concept of extracting energy from the black hole is based on the Penrose process which uh Nobel Prize winning theoretical physicist Penrose had uh, drafted this concept. And so that's what this movie is based on is what would it actually look like to send manned crews out to get this energy. So I, I do like how the conceit of the film is is grounded in some theoretical still, but but reality in some ways. Do you think uh do you think they were trying to hint do some extra Penrose hints with that triangle tattoo on the uh, rapey prisoner or was it just a a lucky coincidence? It may have just been a lucky coincidence, but I would love it if it had been intentional. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> We yeah. can choose to believe. We'll never know. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I think that one of my favorite shots in this movie and the thing that I'm I will probably think about when I think about this movie is the at space burial scene yes it's I get I'm getting goosebumps right now actually just thinking about it and it happens pretty early in the movie when Monty realizes that he only has so many resources and can't spare the resources that are being used to keep all of his shipmates basically bodies on ice you know they've died but their bodies are being kept on ice and so he goes through this process of fully dressing them in space suits I thought it was just so beautiful to like that he like dressed all of them in their suits and then like dropped them out of the airlock it was a really cool scene to watch their bodies like sort of float downwards even though I don't know like would it work like that in space I I, I kind of don't care um it just looked amazing like they're just hanging they're like were, ghosts they were like ghosts they were like these yeah. like seven ten bodies just like suspended kind of in a, in a very slow free fall with just like this empty expanse yeah. of space behind them It's really beautiful. I think that they would have fallen because I think the momentum of him like kind of pushing them out of Mm. the airlock, I think that that would have like caused them to go away from the ship. But yeah, I loved that scene. I thought it was really great. I did too. Um, But he probably should have saved the suit. Yes. For for thread. Yes. <laughs> at least. I know. I was like, what happens if like one of your spacesuits gets a hole in it, dude? Like you're just gonna give up Ugh. like ten spacesuits. He gives up so many suits. I wanna ask the question of all questions about this movie, which we've been waiting for this whole episode. And that is, is this really a horror movie? I think in Tell us. The- <laughs> Please, somebody. (laughs) Yeah, someone. If you can write us in and tell us whether or not this is actually a horror movie. It is listed on Wikipedia as a horror movie. And I will give it in some very broad strokes that there are horrific things that happen in this movie. But I 
would struggle to classify this myself as a horror movie. What about you? Uh, yeah, there's some existential horror going on. You know, this whole thing is pointless. Everyone knows it's pointless, yet they keep doing it. They they continue with the rituals. There's something terrifying about that, but nobody on this ship responds to that. Like, there's no... There's no humanity involved in the horror of this movie. Everyone sort of is like, yeah, we get it. That's why we're here. Whatever. Like, everyone feels very whatever, except for the the child rearing. It's tough. Like, we've said that this movie is hard to watch because of the sexual violence in it. So there is a degree of body horror, but it's not deployed in, like, a suspenseful way. It doesn't even seem like it's trying to scare it's like a such a fine distinction to try and make but it feels like there's a distinction between something that is intended to frighten you versus something that's intended to just shock and horrify you and I feel like yeah that they're going for shock or disgust more more so than than fear in this movie there yeah I and and you're right because of the rape and the masturbation it's like what uh it just hits you so hard but then there's this other part of it kate that is now kind of dawning on me which is maybe the movie is doing the same thing to us like everything feels so normal because everyone's participating willingly there's nobody to really enforce anything but they're they're just doing it and so everything feels fine and maybe that's why it's not horrifying for the viewer like it just keeps pummeling you with the same like imagery over and over and so you just get kind of numb to it by the end of the movie. Yeah, like their pointless existence is normal to you. Like, oh, that's the mission. That's what we're doing. Here's how we stay alive. Here's the ritual for the day. Here's the schedule. Here's the end of the day ritual where we have to tell a machine to please keep us alive, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just so routine. Yeah, I could see that. For them, and, mm-hmm. and I, I maybe like for us too. It's. But again, I'm not horrified by it. I, I you know, I, I can think about it going for that vibe, but I'm still not horrified. Like, I feel like I should be, but <laughs> I'm not enough. <laughs> I had some questions about the ending, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so, you know, he. He goes with Willow to the black hole. Like I think that's pretty um that that happens. That's pretty clear, I think, or fairly clear. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why. I don't really understand why they're doing it. I understand that it's the mission, but I feel like by this point the characters know you know, if we go through the black hole, we die. That's that's how these things work. <laughs> I was thinking that maybe Willow introducing this idea to her dad was like, you know, oh, she's breaking the monotony. She's breaking the ritual of of his existence, which is just surviving. And like he says, drifting. We're just drifters. Mm-hmm. Right. So she kind of like decides to throw a a wrench in the works and say no let's let's do it let's go through the black hole let's do something different than we were expecting you know he's not the pilot 
-hmm. He wasn't ever intended to do that. But I still don't understand why they actually go through the black hole because, like, we all know what's going to happen when you go through a black hole. You die. (laughs) So I'm I'm struggling. I feel like it's her giving, trying to give their life purpose again. So I think that if we want to read the movie as being a pointless existence on this suicide mission and they've been living in this stasis for so long at this point then it just becomes this never-ending sisyphean task of survival and so there is no point to their living right now because it is just survival and so at least with trying to complete the mission even if the mission Mm -hmm. leads to their death it's like re-giving them a purpose in their life yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But they're still going to die. I mean, they die regardless, like. right? Yeah, So it's way. like, are they really willing to grind out another, like, 60 years? Like, Willow's only 15, Oof. right? Like, Oh, my God. What would her life be like what, with only her dad? What would her life be like with only her dad? Like, Ew, I think and that... And she just hit puberty. I Ugh. think that she knows, like... She seems very at peace with the situation as it is. And so it seems to me like she's very like, okay, that that they should take the next step. Like he's waited long enough at this point and, and now she's adult enough to say, like, I'm ready, like I'm ready for us to like do the next thing. Yeah. It's it's almost like back to that taboo conversation. Right. Like her deciding to throw in the towel and be like, we might die. We're probably going to die, but we're doing this. Like that's sort of a taboo in a way, you know, her like sleeping with with her dad in his bed when she's a teenager is very taboo. And he finally like breaks her of that. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, her saying, fuck the taboo. Yeah. Like we're we're going all in, even if we know we're going to die. Oh, my God. That movie. I'm, like, tired now, Kate. I am, too. I feel like we really Just got talking about it. to the core of it, though. Like, I'm proud of us. <laughs> I am, too. I'm, We're so great. I'm ready. I'm ready to, to do our segments and sign off. What about you? Yeah. Segments and, like, go to bed <laughs> with a nice little cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> Who did you have as your... LVP for this segment. All right. Well, I think I think we must have tied on this. My LVP, my my first choice for LVP was Big Booty. She uh she kind of sucked. She um I mean, sucks that she, you know, of, of course it's awful to get raped. That does not mean that she was a good person <laughs> otherwise. Um she uh, stole the ship that was supposed to uh, be piloted by our pilot. And she also killed the pilot. Um, she was just kind of nasty the whole movie. Made made life, you know, a little bit harder for people. She cuts Monty. I don't know. She just, I didn't like her. She was also my LVP. You're right. We did tie. She was just a, a drag on on everyone. <laughs> My uh, my backup LVP. You're a drag. Here's a rape scene. <laughs> <laughs> the 
not what I'm saying. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Nobody is saying that. <laughs> my my other LVP, my backup LVP, which is a little bit of a joke LVP, but come on. It's a baby version of Willow. Because that makes sense. <laughs> because how hard is it to try and maintain a ship and take care of a baby at the same time? Turns out extremely hard and very noisy. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. She screams in his ear when he's trying to fix the ship. Uh, my backup was Dibs. Because, you know, Dibs is like making everybody's lives very miserable at this point. Again, for no reason. It doesn't really matter if they reproduce. It's just sort of like this personal vendetta she has. And uh, it's a little selfish. What about your MVP? My MVP was Monty. Um, I think for pretty oh, yeah. obvious reasons. He was able to keep the ship in working order, keep the resources up, raise a baby, raise a very well-adjusted baby. Like I know. Yeah. And I think he was comfortable with responsibility. So I appreciated that in a character. Yeah. He was also my MVP for obvious reasons, like the ones you pointed out. He... uh I, I he, he didn't he didn't mess anything up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he stayed the course, you know, he's very reliable. Um but my backup was actually Cherny. He was good. Yeah, he I I liked him. He didn't do a whole lot and he ended up committing suicide in the end. But um he was the one who was most at peace with where he was. And I think it's really important, especially in a uh, in a community like this. You need some calm people to just stay the course and not cause chaos. <laughs> my my backup MVP was like a true chaos agent, which was Mink, <laughs> and I gave her my other MVP because she killed that guy who uh, tried to rape them. You know, she uh, seized an opportunity. <laughs> And I wanted to hand it to <laughs> it's her. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty great. I was pretty happy to see her do that. <laughs> what about tech? I have a feeling that we're going to tie on this one, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. I think so, too. What else could it be besides an entire box made for the sole purpose of really freaky masturbation? Yeah, exactly. Same. This all goes back to who is enforcing this, right? Because the people on the ship are not supposed to have sex. So that's the purpose of that room. It makes no sense. Just let them have sex. Who cares? Right. It it feels like they're going for like a brave new world. Like, oh, yeah, you can get off with the feelies. Like... Like, just distract yourself by using this box. But they were also allowed to have sex in Brave New World, too, and were, like, encouraged to do so, like, very frequently. I don't know. So it's just, like, a weird, like, futuristic, like, little add-on amenity that they added to this ship. It's so weird to punish everybody on board because they're prisoners, so no sex. But we are going to give you this masturbation room because we're not idiots. (laughs) We know you have to have some sort of release. Like, it's just, it's such a, 
weird use of space uh of space mm-hmm. on a spaceship mm-hmm. i think agreed yeah oh. and with that <laughs> <laughs> what would you rate this movie well i don't think I don't think I would watch it again unless somebody else wanted to. And I think that this movie, if you're going to watch it, you've got to watch it at least once more to really start getting into it. But I, I, it's hard for me to say if what I got out of it is, is worth watching multiple times. I, I think I would give it three stars. Um, for the acting and the production value and it's very beautiful and it is very thoughtful it's it's a it's got a lot for you to chew on um but i wouldn't give it any more than three stars because i didn't always enjoy what i was chewing on mm-hmm. yeah what about you or i shouldn't say three stars i should say uh three dildos out of five masturbation rooms that's what i'll say <laughs> I think I'm going to give it two baby willows out of five baby willows. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe out of five teenage willows. It's, I I completely agree with all of your points, but I still feel like it should be one notch lower. I didn't enjoy it. And so I'm going to go based <laughs> on just pure emotional feeling on this I do think it's great to look at it's got interesting music it's a lot to think about um I think that if you're in the mood for like kind of a highbrow sci-fi thinky type movie like this is definitely one for you um but it's I don't know I don't think I'd I'd recommend a, a rewatch on it unless you were like particularly inclined to try and unravel all these knots. And there you have it. Another controversial, actually not so controversial difference of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> well, I am yeah. excited that our next episode is a very special episode. And we talked a lot in this episode about whether High Life was a horror movie or not, whether it checked those boxes. And that's really what we're going to be getting into in next week's episode. Yeah, we have a special edition crossover with our buddies over at High on Film. Chris Maxwell and Brad Davis. They're going to be joining us as I seek to get gravity designated as a horror film because I definitely am horrified by it. So stay tuned for next week's episode. This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at NotQuiteDeadPodcast and on Twitter at NQD underscore podcast. Follow our blog for bonus content at NotQuiteDeadPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching.